All right. Well, he is a current state rep, soon to be congressman, uh, Mike France, sitting with us. Can you feel the the changing of the tide? I've been doing this a long time, Mike, and every, I'm very, I'm very, you know, I'm, if you know me, you know, I'm very, very cynical. I'm very sort of on the, the glass is half empty, right? That's me, man. Uh, if there's something, even if something that's great's going on, I'm going to find the negative part of it somehow, some way. That's just me. I I feel I feel like the the winds of change are actually blowing, barring something very I don't want to call it catastrophic, but something that really changes the landscape. I think going to be a lot of Republicans getting elected into office this year. Oh, I agree completely. Good morning, Lee. Good well, morning, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, we're <laughs> you talking about. I forget to introduce you. How are you doing? Uh, excellent, excellent. No, it's great to be back uh, with your listeners. And no, I agree completely. You're seeing. A trend like we haven't seen, frankly, since Carter, mm. honestly. And you know, the inflation numbers are a part of that a reminder to those that, uh, of us that were around at that time of the effect, you know, stagflation and all the economic impacts. And you see the people realizing that. And we've lived you know, for, both, for 40 years a blissful existence from – uh, away from inflation because of the actions of the Fed right. to keep uh, interest rates artificially low. And so you're in a new era, if you will, economically. And when you're seeing inflation, you know, eight, eight, eight and a half percent and growing. And the administration, frankly, doing nothing. Joe Courtney doing effectively nothing to resolve the issue. And then trying to make excuses for why it's happening instead of acknowledging the reality, and it is an interesting process to watch. And I think that's what's really, to your point, driving people to look for a different direction, different leadership uh, across the board, right. state, federal, everywhere. Yeah. And that's really what's happening. And the excuses that are being made are becoming more and more farcical. Uh, and I think one of the interesting Latest ones coming from uh, Jen Psaki, the press secretary, was, you know, why, why is it that supply chains and affect the inflation? Oh, it's because Governor Abbott is inspecting the vehicles coming across the trucks, coming across the border with Mexico as if he's turning them around. No, he is making sure that people that aren't supposed to be in the trucks are not right. in the trucks. It's actually product. Uh, and a, a very small delay, not uh, an end. But... They're coming up with more and more excuses, and the people aren't buying it. And I think that's really why you're seeing these winds change, because there's no credible explanation that makes sense. It's just a new excuse of the day. Right. And people have seen through that. And I think that is why, when you look at you know, people like Joe Courtney doing effectively nothing to resolve these issues, uh, people are seeing through that and kind of looking back, well, what, what has he done? Mm. And what has Joe Biden done? What... And they start looking more closely at you know, a voting record that is basically a party line vote now. Yeah. Uh, that does not help the people of Connecticut, people of the 2nd District. And that is, a, you know, once again, the trend that you're talking about uh, is, is because of that. If you look at the trend of just a, like the finances here, as far as I always look at debt first. So, you know, in the last, since during Bush's administration, it started to happen. Bush the second, and through now is like we've run up this ridiculous amount of debt, right? So now we've we've had to either print money or borrow money to 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 have to sort of help pay you to pay that off or pay our bills, and and I think people now because it's an entire generation now, Mike, that now are used to 
getting stuff that prior generations didn't get. Someone's going to have to come along if we're going to stop this and say, this is not sustainable. And that person, even though they're doing the right thing, that person, like this is the perfect time for this to happen because you've got the winds of change. Someone has to stand up and say, the goodies are over for a while, right? We can no longer keep doing this. And I, do we do we have that, those people you think coming? I believe that we do. Yeah. And I think that the important thing to, for people to understand is what is so different about this period of inflation versus the 70s. Everybody's talking about it's the worst inflation since the 70s. That is true. But the underpinning, you just touched on it, is the debt and the spending and how that happened. When you look at in interest rates in the 70s, they mirrored as inflation went up, so did the interest rates. That's economics. That's what's supposed to happen. Right. So why is that not happening now? Because we have an artificial system of the Fed keeping that down. How are they doing? They're printing money, which is creating debt, which is what, if you look back at the 70s, we were nowhere near the debt compared right. to GDP that we are today. And so when you look at that, why is, the, why is it in the Fed's interest? Why is it in the Biden administration's interest? Why is it in Joe Courtney's interest to keep that interest rate down? Because of the debt. If the Fed rate goes up, the interest payment goes up. Right. And so when you're looking at comparable rates, we use round numbers uh, in the 70s. It was around roughly 10% plus or minus. If you had a 10% Fed rate now on $30 trillion, mm. that's an interest payment. Just an interest payment, not a principal payment. Interest payment of $3 trillion. Can't do it. Right. We couldn't do it. And this is what the reality is, the economic reality is happening. You're, you are right. It started to escalate under Bush the Younger in mm. uh, his administration. But where, where it really got out of control and... I would say beyond Congress, because Congress could fix this, and I've talked about this before, but the gating event was TARP. When we did the bank bailout, right. and when people look back on that, there was a single, effectively a single bank that was in trouble right. of the major banks. But setting that aside, that was one of the first votes that Joe Courtney took in office to authorize roughly $800 billion right. of a loan program. It was really what it was. It was a loan program. Whether you agree or disagree, we'll set that aside. But if they had done it as a loan program, off the books, outside the budget, then when all the loans are paid back, which they were, by and large, you balance the books, you send it to the accountants, they zero it out, and you set it on the shelf, and you're done. Right. Except there's this little minor detail of not doing a budget in regular order. In other words, we have not a federal budget since 1997. Continuing resolution after continuing resolution, just keep the government running, keep spending as we have in the past whether we can afford it or not. Mm. You take that roughly $800 billion, you add to it the roughly four to $500 billion deficit that was growing slightly at the end of the Bush administration, $1.2 to $1.3 billion per year, times eight years of the Obama administration is the $10 trillion, plus or minus, that the deficit mm. went up. And that just continues because Congress is failing to do its job. Right. In fact, in entire time Joe Courtney has been in office, he has never voted on a budget. He voted on continuing to continue spending right. beyond the means of the people to afford. And that's the practical reality. So when that number good looks at it, 
during his time in office, it's gone from $8.5 trillion of debt to over $30 trillion, and nothing to check it. So that's what makes this time much more tenuous, frankly, and much more critical, frankly, to make a decision to reverse the trend because of the cliff we find economically at the federal level. Would that be one of the first things that you do in Washington? Would you uh, try to figure out a way to either you know push the the, the narrative, the agenda? Let's, let's finally get a budget. Yes, absolutely. And, and the reason that is, and, and the reason the people need to demand that of their of Congress is, and I learned this at the local level. When you set a budget, you're setting policy. We're not having policy debates at the federal level on how money is spent. We're having policy debates about things that are completely, really, frankly, disconnected from the budget. But you look local at the town level. You have a budget. It establishes the priorities of the town. You fund your priorities. Same thing you do in your household budget. Mm -hmm. You fund your priorities. Same thing at the state. We pass a budget. One of the things that is interesting at the federal level is Prior to the early 70s, you had a budget very similar to what we have at the state level. A single budget governed everything in the federal. Then they had this brilliant idea to have these appropriations bills. And so they have 12, now 14. But that only worked for eh, 25 years to the late, late 90s. By not doing that process, we are not allowing the people of this country to understand what the policy should be based on where money is going as part of a budgetary debate. And why that's critical to where we find ourselves today is by passing the continued resolution, we are just allowing spending to continue unchecked. We don't have to have a debate about is there revenue to pay for the spending. That's the budget process that we see. And it is no different, frankly, than what we see in our local towns here in Connecticut. And you see people who are coming out to you know, make, their, make their voices heard when you're seeing a mill rate increase. Well, they're doing that in D.C., but not without the process hmm. that we see here local and state. We're talking to uh, second district congressional candidate Mike France. He uh, joins us every other week at the very least. We are always honored and happy to have him. So it's something that'll scare everybody. So what you're, uh, you're talking about obviously is 100% true. And then in the last uh, two years, we've added to that debt exponentially because of uh, the COVID situation, uh, adding trillions. And, and the trillions that we've added, what, what, that wasn't even enough for the ultra left of the party. Now, I, I say this because, we're, like you said, we're $30 trillion and rising every second of every day. Talked to now in the last month a couple of different folks from the Heritage Foundation. One who gave a speech uh, and a, actually gave a presentation at the charter last Charter Oak uh, class that we had. Our military is disintegrating in front of our eyes, right? So we have uh, less boats, less planes, less you know, less people actually in the military, less capability to defend ourselves. So that's dropping. Social programs are going up. Infrastructure is crumbling, and even to the, the fact, even though they're throwing a trillion dollars at it, it's probably not enough. And so, so we're spending more money, we have less, we're printing more, and we're, we're not going to be able to defend ourselves. I get what I'm trying to say is, is sooner or later, it's going to come like, a, like they're, all these sides are going to hit each other at the same time. 
And this is how civilizations collapse. We're getting – I've been thinking about this a lot. We're getting closer to this than I think even the most cynical people think. We're close. What you describe is the reality of what we've seen over decades, frankly. This point that we're arriving at has been, it's been coming since, frankly, the Reagan administration. Mm-hmm. When you look at the end of the Cold War – the end of the Soviet Union and and that effort that President Reagan did, you know, tear down this wall, et cetera. Since then, we've been on this path that the whole world's going to get along. We're all going right. to be friends. And the effect of that was that we did not put our nation first. We've seen it in economics where we have essentially – turned over manufacturing largely to the China, to China where we have seen our the risk to our supply chain be increased because of not doing things and not making things in our own country that's one aspect of it you bring up the military there've been reports more and more recently about the infrastructure of our military where you look at the dated structure of our public shipyards, the ability to maintain a fleet. Uh, You see it in uh, our capacity in our military hospitals, VA, et cetera. Probably one of the most prominent ones recently that has come out is the fuel tanks in Hawaii that leaked into the water supply of the uh, military housing. You know, that is an example of infrastructure that has not been maintained. Uh, And when you look at what the military has done uh, since the peace dividend under the Clinton administration. We have closed shipyards. We have gotten rid of our tenders, the destroyer tenders, most of our submarine tenders. And you look at the just the capacity of a Navy to be independent on the water has been reduced. And you look at the capacity of us to project power and be seen as a strength to basically to have Putin, in this case in Ukraine, think twice about doing that. Right. We no longer are in that position. And it's because of decades of decisions that we've been making to prioritize uh, social programs, as you describe, and increasing them, not maintaining the support of those in need, but growing it beyond that at the expense of our military. And the two biggest things were under the Clinton administration, we held the budget flat for six years in real dollars. And then under the Obama administration, you had sequestration, which actually reduced the budget mm. in real dollars. Right. And those effects have long term. You know, they are not something of the moment. They are now affect decisions going forward. And we have seen it across the board and our capacity. So this year's budget was in the newspaper. We are retiring, I think it was 25 ships and building and bringing in nine. So we are going down again this year because of decisions that have been made by administration after administration, by Congress, who is responsible for this, to not support the military that is needed Mm. to ensure we are a presence in the world that would prevent actors like Putin to take action against their neighbors. Um, And that is a challenge, and I think we see that across the board. And the infrastructure is just one example within the military of 
a growing problem that has been there for decades and needs to be resolved. It's not going to happen overnight, but it is something we need to have a conversation about. And going back to the budget process, because we are not doing the budget process correctly, we're not having these debates. Right. In fact, the only part, and I, I love it when Joe Courtney came around and you know, paraded around the National Defense Authorization Act, and it gets passed. The problem is it gets passed late every year, 90 to 120 days late. December, January. In fact, this, this year was in January. But even when it was passed, there was no money to pay for it. But he trotted it out and you know, got the photo op at Electric Boat right. about the National Defense Authorization Act. For those that don't know, the only reason that particular piece of the budget is passed is because that is the only way that you can start or stop a defense program. So, for example, in our area, when we can, can care about the Columbia class, new program that's come out, Electric Boat mm-hmm. uh, is lead contractor for that program, that could not start unless Congress authorized the NDAA and authorized that to start in that program. And so that's why that one has to pass, and it does. But then it rolls into the continuing resolution, and they spend money like crazy. But it's chronically late. It has been for over 20 years. Now, what's the consequence of that? Well, when Electric Boat operates on the federal fiscal year, one October comes, the money that's authorized for them to do work is, is tied to one October. So if it's late, there's an escalation cost. They have money that rolls over the fiscal year. But the impact of not doing things in accordance with the fiscal year mm. have financial consequences. There's escalation of costs. There's right. delays. And those are things that we need to make people aware of so that they can demand of their members of Congress on both sides to do things serving them. And in order to establish correct policy and ensure that their tax dollars are going where they want them to go, you must have these debates as part of the budget process. Otherwise, you're just throwing money. And that's what we've seen in a lot of bills. And one of the things that we see, going to your point about CARES Act 1, CARES Act 2, ARPA, $6 trillion. Very small percentage of that actually went to things directly related to COVID. Right. Very small percentage. Uh-huh. And that is what happens when you have a government body that is out of control and has no check and doesn't have to defend the policy that's embedded. They just spend money. Right. And that is why we are in the financial situation we are in. And that is why we're seeing the inflation we're seeing, the decisions and the policies that are being made. And Congress can fix it all. Right. In our structure of government, the legislative branch of government is the strongest branch of government, but they have abdicated their role. They have allowed the executive branch, and we've seen it in decisions, whether it's the pipeline that uh, got canceled, the Excel pipeline author- authorizing the uh, pipeline uh, for Russia to, to Germany. Those decisions put our country in economic risk. Congress could fix that, mm. but they choose not to. And that's what needs to change to really serve the people of this country correctly. I mean, you make great points on all accounts right there. And, you know, you think about to just the money, the COVID money. I mean, uh, Tom Brady got money. Kim Kardashian got money. It was a joke. I mean, how much money was wasted. I was going through a whole bunch of stories about this, how how much was built, how much was ripped off. They think, uh, they think 10, literally at least 10% went into the pocket of thieves, like people who just scammed the system. And like you had said, a lot of it didn't have anything to do with COVID. So people just 
used it to you know further their position, which it, again it's a it's a waste of other people's taxpayer dollars. But really quick before we run out of time, just so folks understand, the, 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 by 2030, I think it was Mike, China will have three times as many uh, navy vessels as we'll have. Uh, I think it was 600 to the low 220, something like that. That was, And then I had been asking the questions about the quality versus the quantity, and they're catching up to us there. Uh, my question is, uh, to me, this is what I think. I think as soon as they think they have the advantage on us, they'll test it. I do. I, I, believe, I honestly believe China will test that out, depending on who the president is. Like if Biden was the president, which he won't be, hopefully, uh, <laughs> I, I believe that as soon as they think they have an upper hand, I know they have a lot to lose financially, but they also have a lot to gain if they're the, you know, they're the, they are the lone superpower. Well, the challenge with that is it's unknown, and, and the unknown puts the the world at risk, frankly. And that's the challenge: is you don't know what a dictatorial style of government will do. We have looked at. You know, the Western world, as it were, Europe, United States, et cetera. And we have a model of government that you know, has a process. Well, in Russia, China, Iran, you don't have that. You have a single individual who wields power right. and makes decisions. And so it's an unknown quantity of what are they willing to do. And we're, they're talking about now with Putin and Ukraine and the setbacks. And, you know, when you back somebody into a corner— they react. Yep. The reaction is an unknown. And that's the challenge. You don't want to be in an unknown situation. And so to your point, the Chinese military, Navy in particular, has been growing for a number of years, and we have done effectively nothing. They are building ships faster than we are. We missed it, frankly, at the administrative, administrative level. In the Obama administration is where it happened. And for you know, those that served in the Pacific Theater, like I did, the uh, Spratly Islands is a key outpost that the Chinese have been, frankly, trying to lay claim to for decades. And what happened under the Obama administration is they stopped what they call the freedom of the seas transits through that area. And so in international law, if you are transiting through an area that is considered international waters— when you stop that for a period of time, then somebody can lay claim to that. That's exactly what happened. Right. China then loaded up dirt into cargo ships, went over to the Spratly Islands, filled in between there and set up a base. And now they have possession of that uh, very strategic area of the ocean. And those are things that because we were focused on the wrong things in that time, we have put ourselves in a worst position right. uh, in the Pacific. And so those are decisions that we need to take a look at. And to your point about you know, comparable strength, we need to take a hard look at that as well. And we've made decisions over several decades that have put us in a wrong position. And Joe Courtney's right at the point. He, he loves to run around as a senior member of the House Armed Services Committee. But effectively, uh, he is missing the boat on most of what needs to be worried about when we talk about our military, our armed forces around the world, uh, and our veterans. He's doing effectively nothing to resolve the issues that are important to them, and we need to have change. Mike, tell everybody where they can find out more about you. Yeah, VoteMikeFrance.com is the website. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Mike France for Congress, and 